In the spirit of reconciliation, Grab the Trace acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to another episode of Grab the Trace, a home design podcast to help you deliver your next project to its full potential. We're your hosts, Michaela and Lachlan, and if you're looking for some tips and secrets for your next project, be it building a new home, renovating, or even just picking what window furnishings would best suit your space, we have you covered. Whilst we'll try to help as much as possible, this podcast is of a general nature and won't be able to take into account your individual circumstance. If you need personalised advice, you should engage a relevant professional consultant to help make the best decisions for your situation. This episode, we continue to unpack one of the most critical areas in the home, our kitchens. So stick around, pull up your plans, and let's grab the trace. Hello, everybody. Welcome back for our second installment of our kitchen overview for this week. Michaela, how are you going? Good. How are you, Lachlan? I'm very good. Everybody, as we were saying earlier, this is this is blown out already. I think we made a prediction it was only going to be three episodes. We we're already knew. probably up to five to six now. So that's blown out. We're going to take you through the remainder of the the kind of content we had planned for this introduction to it. So we're going to pick up where we left off with, I guess, in our layout options. We just finished covering off some configurations. So now we're going to continue on to our kind of design rules for a kitchen, starting with our benched areas in terms of depths and requirements from that aspect. When we're talking about the configurations or these areas, what's our general guide for our sizing? I guess probably something that we can we can hit off here is, and I think we have mentioned this in previous episodes, is when you're designing a kitchen, the first question you ask me without even looking at the plans yep. or knowing what the budget is or where the property is located is purely, is there gas? And if there is gas, are we using it for cooking? Because sometimes the option is not to use gas and to go with induction. an induction or ceramic. Electric. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the reason that's such an important decision to have locked in from your end, why is that? That dictates, or it, it doesn't dictate, we can, it's kind of guided. It guides our workbench depth. And Lachlan will explain why. So, with your electrical based cooktops, mm-hmm. be that electric or induction. Is this like a fire thing? Like you need, like the gas you need to stay off? Like <laughs> I love how he's like asking those. it like a question. It's a fact. So, for our. Gas cooktop. I always just thought it was because gas cooktops are a little bit larger. <laughs> no. So for our electric or our gas cooktops, they usually range anywhere from 500 to 600 deep overall. So again, they all vary, depends on configuration, where the burners sit, how deep the glass or the stainless or in Pitt's case, where the burners kind of sit. We'll talk about the pits soon. Oh, get ready, guys. People have no idea what we're just talking about then, but we'll explain, I swear. So when it comes to our guidelines, we, we have to admit codes. So we have building codes, fire codes. Design Bible codes. <laughs> design standards that we have to adhere to. So one of that is for open flames and fire retardant materials or we just have to keep in mind, we don't want these beautiful kitchens to burn down. In, no, no. In the, in, in there's labor. no point putting in a pot, pot tap <laughs> a if pot you're going to burn. Sorry, there's no point putting in a pot filler if you're going to burn this house down. Yeah, so. It's not the Sims. In terms of our guides that we have to hit or our standards is we need 200 millimetres from an open flame to a non-flammable material. Usually with our splashbacks, be it tiles or concrete or glass or stone, just to rattle off a few. We have to have 200 millimetre clear from an open flame. So for gas cooktops, we typically go 700 mil deep for our bench tops. In terms of electric or induction, that only needs to be 600. Yes. Because there's no open flame to an induction or an electric cooktop. So it's just where the heat is coming off. 
Obviously, yeah. you know, you don't want any flammable materials around a cooktop, but in terms of meeting code, we just need to make sure that that's 200 mil away. This will stop your lovely splashback window from melting. <laughs> yes. In- <laughs> because yes. glass, all glass is liquid. It's just, it's melting at a very, 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 very slow rate. It will eventually melt. If you've got a gas cooktop that's closer to it, all you're doing is speeding up that process exponentially. <laughs> so let's keep it solid. Yes. So that kind of dictates our rear bench top, but also our appliances, what we're putting in there, that's going to be dictating. So I always like to keep at least 700 deep for our refrigerator provision. Yes. So a lot of our integrated fridges only need like 600 deep, but if we're putting in kind of a provision to slide our freestanding fridges in, I always like to leave 700 deep because you need ventilation at the back of these appliances. They're usually quite deep within themselves. Yeah. Well, and if you've got a water tap connection for your fridge, that's going to stick out from the wall. And if they put that too low, then your fridge isn't going to be able to butt up against it. Yep. And trust me, I can talk a lot about functionality of provisions and widths and heights and what we need, ventilation requirements. If you've got a twin door, don't put it up against, you know, don't locate your fridge up against a wall because we need to be able to open. your handle. Yep. And we need to be able to open those doors past 90 degree to open our drawers inside our fridge. People have made that mistake. Don't. Don't get me wrong. We don't want that. But in terms of the depth or dictating our bench depths, 700 deep across the board. So I always find even if we're doing an electric cooktop or an induction cooktop, I'll always aim to to get a 700 deep rear bench top in because usually that's going to flow onto our fridge provision Yes. or our tall cabinets. Yeah. Usually, even though gas kind of dictates you require 700, having 700 is also sometimes a requirement based on other decisions Factors. as well. Yeah. So you don't want that kind of step in, step out for a hundred mil. Yes. Yes. Like you don't want to go from a 600 deep cooktop and then it has to like step And you've got the gable out. stepping out. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can avoid that. Let's just bring it all out. Yeah. You might as well like get a bit of extra depth. In saying that, I'm aware there are apartments, there's going to be renos, there's going to be houses that are tight. We don't have that luxury. Maybe we can, you know, relocate that fridge off that rear bench top do it in our l and do 700 deep on you know the l side and then on the rear bench top side then we can go down to six and it's kind of best of both worlds love it um in terms of depths of our island bench tops or our like galley style anywhere where we're sitting or entertaining kind of my minimum or standard is 900 deep would you kind mm-hmm. of agree i agree i agree I've a got luxury a, is 12 yeah, a luxury is 12 now what's the deepest you would go with an island bench don't get me wrong, I would typically go like 1,200, 1,300 is kind of like at the max because of our slab sizes. So we're looking at either recon stone or natural stone. Those slabs, they can't just be whatever size we want. We are yep. we are limited with one, delivery trucks just to deliver that stone. Mm-hmm. They have a limit, but also manufacturing and machinery have a limit as well. So kind of our... Our most well-known recon, so like our Caesar Stone, our Smart Stone, our YDL, Essa Stone, those kind of brands, we're limited to around the 1350, 1400 deep. That's going to be dictating our island bench. However, we can do a bit of a take on like our galley or our L with an island or these type of configurations. I'm not against a square island. We've done one recently. Oh. There's a there's a project that we're actually going to go out and visit probably in the next couple of weeks because it's very close to completion. And drool, I'm obsessed. My goodness, if I'm this, obsessed if with this, my own design. <laughs> if this goes to plan, everybody, this will be someone else's inspiration, Graham, in the future. Because oh, be cool. We've got, like that. We've got wainscoting in this. Oh my goodness, I can't. Panel wait. work, the nicest architraves and skirting yeah. we've got beautiful herringbone floors views of the city we have this massive oversized dry square island that's like raised like a furniture piece yep it's it's the bees yeah. knees. it'll be bees fan knees. it's going to be fantastic however when we're coming to our stone slabs and we're talking about our depth with a square obviously slabs don't come in squares we can't do a solid two meter by two meter slab so I would actually take advantage of that and make it a thing and book match the stone, meaning that, do you remember the arts and crafts projects when you were a kid and you made the old butterflies 
You know when you get a piece of paper? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like when you do the the Christmas, um, when you cut your snowflakes out and you kind of, you fold it in half and you do it and guess what? Now you've got two. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going, maybe I'm prehistoric, but the old piece of paper and you put the paint dollops and then you smush it together and then you open it and it's a butterfly. That's what we're talking about when I say book match. We want the two slabs of stone, if it's obviously like a reconstituted stone, they're identical from slab to slab, so you can easily book match that. When we're looking at natural stone, obviously every slab is unique. Yeah, it's a bit more so, difficult. So, yeah, so when we're selecting our stones, I'll always go out to a warehouse with the clients or if it's just a multi-res project, I'll go out there and I will pick these or select these slabs, but I'll say, okay, well, in this batch, I want slab 102, 103 for this apartment because they're the slivers of slab that have come from the block that are closest to each other. So they are as closely identical as you can get. And then I'd book match those and make a feature of it. And then right in the center of the island would be where that connection is. Where that seam would be. Yeah, you don't want to offset it. Have it in the center. Generally, that's where your sink is going to be if you're doing Mm -hmm. a wet island. So you can kind of hide some of that join mark by the cutout that's going to be there for the sink. And Oh, see, I would actually book match it the other way. Oh, really? You go lengthwise? Yeah. So it, it, I'm not trying to hide it. So I would hi- I would make a thing of it and don't try and – like I'd commit to it. I wouldn't try and make Ooh, it into a mistake. shivers. I just had an idea. Potentially depending on what colour. Oh, you could do a little – You could do a brass strip in between. Even like a matte black recess shadow line. That would or be like – a, a bronze strip. And I tell oh. you what, that would be so much cheaper from a stone stone masonry point of view as well because they're not having to spend the time trying to match it up. Mm-hmm. They're not having to try and get it to be as flush because you've got something in between. So maybe a little cost saver in there as well. Yeah. And a free feature. Well, not free, but like a very cheap way to get. Yeah, or you oh, can- I'm obsessed with that idea. I might yeah. go and model that up. <laughs> well, if you go back a few weeks to our inspiration, Graham, I brought you guys the Lucy Bock. Oh, yeah, yeah. Project, and they actually used two different stones because I think this island was oversized and they had to obviously kind of make it into a reason, not a mistake. Like it was it was on purpose. Yeah, there's and method was, behind the madness. Yeah, oh, and gosh, did they, did they, they make it into a They made some method out of that, yeah. So I suggest 100%, go back on our Instagram, go look at the Lucy Bock project from a few weeks ago and their use of stone and island and how they kind of got away with that. Absolutely stunning. I love it. Beautiful. The The only other thing I wanted to talk about, at least in this section, was just I know we've mentioned heights before, that 900 is our benchtop height. Mm-hmm. We want that locked in. Um, I think the only other thing that's somewhat relevant, at least for this dipping our toes in the water, is... Our height of our, I guess it'd be the overhead cupboards on our splashback. Yep. That's the only other thing I can think that's really kind of important in this introductory thing while you're kind of visually planning it all out. And that's also then related back to whether you are doing a gas cooktop or whether you are doing an electric. Yep. Is that correct? Yes and no. So for ventilation requirements, we technically can, you can get away in a kitchen by you don't have to necessarily have a range hood yes, in the kitchen. Yes, yep. That's why if, downdraft or recirculating range hoods are fine. You don't have to duct it outside. Yeah, well, technically you don't even need to have any yeah. range hood at all. So obviously range hood is there to catch steam, grease. Smoke if you had a bad day. <laughs> Very bad day. And typically, obviously, that ventilation requirement that's there to suck out the air, that has a height limit as well. So we're looking at 600 above our bench top, but no more than 750. Yep. So usually or typically with gas, because we've got 700 deep, we kind of, you can go up a little bit higher for gas. I always like to do like 700 high splash before you start your overheads. That's purely just for the range hood compliance. However, in most homes, if you have a space that is naturally ventilated or you have a window in a kitchen, you technically don't legally or are required to have a range hood at all. Yeah. Or you can do the sneaky like we talked about with cooktops on the island. You can have what Lachlan mentioned and have a downdraft range hood, meaning that instead of having a range hood above your cooktop, you can have it within your cooktop. So they house that unit within the cabinetry underneath the cooktop and you kind of have this little like grill vent. 
either it can be incorporated into, you see a lot of like induction or gas cooktops with integrated downdraft range hoods, or you can just buy an integrated downdraft range hood and have it completely separate to your cooktop unit and integrate that. And it just looks like a little grill at the back of your bench top. I'm personally, I'm not a fan and I'll go into that in our appliance episode. Oh yeah. And the reasons why, like, again, I keep saying this, there's a place for everything, just not in my kitchen. Yeah, no, we'll we'll, we'll touch we'll on go it. Into we'll it. touch on it. So, I guess what we'll um we'll do from here is once again you'll see the the photos of our inspiration gram kitchens, and even similar to to what we did with our bathroom layouts, we might might sketch up a few little kitchens, put them yeah. on the gram, yeah, just so you can get an idea of when we're we're kind of talking about these different layout options, so you can kind of see it, and then in in the future we might even go and kind of give some like a dimensioned version of that so you can kind yeah. of figure That'll out the proportions helpful. of it. That 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 should be pretty helpful for you guys at home. And again, these are just kind of layouts that they're there to be tweaked. This is just a oh, yeah. general guide, like a galley kitchen or just like two rows of bench top and cabinetry. That can be extended, shortened. You can add a bit of you, you know, can push pull. You yeah. might have room for an extra cabinet and then you might not be going for a symmetrical kitchen design. You might be going for all your appliances to the right-hand side of your cooktop rather than having like a stack of two either side. It's yeah, yeah, it's completely, completely customizable. The only thing I did want to touch on in terms of configuration was distance between the rear bench top oh, that's a and good the one. island. Yep. Or any like your tall cabinetry to the right or the left-hand side again and your island, like thoroughfare or walkway space around islands or between cabinetry. There's a bit of controversy in the office in terms of what's... There's great unrest. Of what's standard or what's acceptable. <laughs> what's acceptable. <laughs> For me, minimum 1,100. Yes, I've been guilty. I've done 900. But it's not... There's a time and a place, but much like what we were saying for our laundries, our walk-in robes, if you can sort this out in the planning stage and it doesn't create too much of a compromise for you, It'll be one of those unsung heroes that you never think about it going forward in the future because you've got the space there. You're never going to open the dishwasher and then have to have someone shuffle past behind you. It's it's the little things that you don't necessarily appreciate. I would be very surprised if someone came and was upset with you for having 1100. 1100 is more of a feature, I would say. I like personally between my island and my rear bench top, I have 1400. And I do not regret it at all. It is so comfortable. Someone can be at the kitchen because I've like lined up the cooktop and the sink as well. Of course you have. Again, symmetry. Love that. So someone can very, very comfortably be washing up at the sink and someone can be at the cooktop and we do not, you know, touch bums. Like it's it's great. Your ship's in the night. (laughs) You just wave and you smoothly (laughs) glide on by. Yep. And again, it is so true when everyone's like, the kitchen's the heart of the home. I wouldn't go as far as saying the kitchen's the heart of the home. Yeah, you want to have a big home with clear arteries. You don't want to have a clogged up little kitchen that's struggling to beat. (laughs) Exactly. That's actually really good. I'm going to make that the clip of the show. (laughs) I cannot drive home more. Whenever you're entertaining, whenever you have friends over, whenever you've got a dinner or a a party or people are just over on the weekend, you always end up in the kitchen. You start in the kitchen when everyone comes and they've got their handbags. Everyone's popping that on the island bench. Oh my God, yes. Everyone's grabbing a drink. Everyone's going to help someone put together a platter. Everyone's Everyone's like, oh, what can I do? What can I do? An extra body in the kitchen. Exactly. Everyone's cleaning up after kitchen. Like, you always end up in the kitchen. Yep. The last it couple of people to leave a party, always at a kitchen bench. Always at a always. kitchen bench. I dare you to find otherwise but, or prove us wrong. It's that it's that final transition. You might stand <laughs> up from the dining table and then everyone moves over to it the kitchen. Mingles. And it's just meant to be, yep, everyone parts from there. But 15 minutes later, you're still standing up at that kitchen. And guess what? Because you've got 1,100, it's okay. It's comfortable. If it was 900, you wouldn't have any people over for dinner anymore. No, you wouldn't. Get out I of the kitchen. It. Let's roll on now. Let's let's rapid fire like, I guess. Yeah. What got what what are we putting in here from an appliance point of view? What are we putting in here from a, a feature point of view? I guess we'll talk more appliances because we've mentioned before things like our bin drawer and we want That's fittings and fixtures. Yeah, oh like it, we, we mentioned the pit of, cooktop. Yeah, yeah. So let's 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 take it from the top. Okay. So 
So. Shoot. Here we go. Okay. I'm going to rapid fire because, again, we're going to go into this in a whole episode. I don't want to bore everyone. Watch out, cowboys. We're shooting from the hip. All right. Refrigerator and freezer. Tick. Be it integrated, freestanding, separate fridge and freezer, multiple fridge and freezers, Mm -hmm. fridge and freezer drawers. It's all there. We need to have one in a kitchen. Cooktops. Be that freestanding. Pit, which is integrated. I'll get into that. Gas, electric, ceramic, induction, the widths, depths, configurations, burners, a cooktop. Range hoods that accompany it. Again, we'll go into that in more detail. What's available, be it undermount, freestanding, cylindrical, ceiling mount, pull out, integrated in the sense that like extracted downdraft. Yep, I agree. Then we go into our cooking appliances. So our, again, this is endless, but ovens, microwaves, combination microwave ovens, steam ovens, vacuum drawers. We have warming drawers. We have... I honestly thought when you said vacuum drawer, I didn't know what you were talking about for a second, but I'm there now. I'm there. There, we're there. What else do we have? We've got whether they're pyrolytic or just electric built in. We have freestander cookers, which include obviously our cooktop and integrate an oven. And then we've got, gosh, all the different sizes and configurations, be that like a 900 wide, 1150 wide dual ovens like a falcon where you get like two oh, ovens man. and a cooktop yeah world's a roaster then what else in terms of appliances move over to our more white goods yeah in terms so of our uh, i'll start i'll kick you off oh, with uh, dishwashers oh dishwashers be that freestanding integrated semi-integrated or dish drawers my ultimate favorite thank you fisher and Pickle. um then we go into our Wine fridges or specialty items, so our built-in coffee machines, our wine fridges, our, if you want, like, we'll go into it again, but our, like, Sub-Zero fridges, Lieber fridges, Vintech wine fridges, like, multiple brands, all with pros and cons to each. What else? Then we go into our bougie, it's not an appliance, but an accessory, like our billy taps or our zip taps. Yeah, that's a good point. No, I'd, I'd say they're appliances yeah, because they 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 need power. They need, oh my goodness, when I can't believe I nearly didn't put it in. We've got our insincorators as our well. Our insincorators, again, controversial. For me, maybe it's because I grew up in like the era of like the 90s, but like, Insincorators to me are like so old fashioned. I'm too nervous to put my fingers down yeah, near them. Yeah, they're going to take my fingers off. Even and the though button- they're, they're well and truly like guarded against doing that, I would find a way to lose a finger. Yeah, I I would lose a finger. I don't know. It's just like- Just ser- put it in the bin. Put it in the know. compost. Serial killer vibes. I don't know. But- Serial killer <laughs> You know- We've been watching you. It's too much. It's seeping in. <laughs> you know, just crunch. It's like you can literally get insincorators that are like, can crunch bone. It's like- Oh, chickens, watch out. <laughs> Jeez. Not that it's a bad thing. Or like even water filtration systems. We didn't even touch on it, but our fridges that have like ice makers built in water taps. Yeah, our plumbed in ones. Yep. Yep. What else in terms of appliances? We can, again, extra, extra bougie, but our like walk-in cellars that are attached to our kitchens, they're temperature controlled. Oh, even, I know this is kind of going into our outdoor entertainment spaces, but barbecues or teppanyaki plates, again- I'll rattle off this in our appliance segment, but like Gaganau do, or even Wolf, they do like integrated cooking systems. So they can have um, like a steamer, like a built-in steamer into the bench. They've got a deep fryer. They've got barbecue plate. They've got a teppanyaki plate. They have induction and gas burners, all individual, and you can kind of customize as you see fit. I just went through a retailers website in terms of the categories you have listed everything and more that oh. they've got on there so i think that's a good place to cap oh. that there we I go i think you've absolutely knocked that out of the park i get a, i get passionate when it comes yep. to kitchens and appliances and now your reward oh we get to talk about some cabinetry stuff here okay yeah so as as i mentioned before or as we've mentioned before now we're in the cabinetry section we can potentially talk about our bin drawers yep Bin drawers, accessories, even. And when we say drawers, too. 
multiple. And whether that's the, the bin drawer you pull out and it's the, the two separate tubs or you have two full bin drawers that you're pulling out, save yourself the hassle of maybe one of them not having a bin liner put in, the other one's ready to go. 100%. Or just one is waste and one is recycle. That's in, a good call. In two 600-wide individual drawers. Like mm-hmm. I'm talking tw- 1.2 metres of bin. Trust yeah. me. I don't know if it's just like our household, but like whoever sees it, if you open the bin drawer and you're trying to put in that last. Oh, if you're trying to scoop <gasps> in underneath the little like and you lid. Like, and you're trying to like squish it all down. You're like, I will not be the one to take out the bin. Absolutely not. This will help. Yeah. Less trips to the bin. What have we got? Pull out, even like as simple as like pull out tea towel racks. I know tea towels, a bit old fashioned, but to me. I hate it. And I don't know if it's like a pet hate. No, oh, no. I think I'm about to get in trouble. Are you going <laughs> to yell at me for putting them through the handles? Yes. Okay. If the appliances. I Caitlin, don't- make note. We need to go and buy a pull-out towel rail holder. <laughs> tea towel. Oh, tea towel. Sorry. We need to go and buy a pull-out tea towel. Every single person is guilty. Like I'm, again, and I know this is going to rub a few people the wrong way, but like magnets on the fridge, like, no, nah, it's not a Caitlin, canvas. Caitlin, get rid of the magnets. <laughs> We're not allowed to have the dump vouchers on the fridge anymore. <laughs> It's not, I love, and my parents recently bought a new fridge and it's actually not magnetized. Like you can't. Did you make them buy a non-magnetized <laughs> fridge? Oh, that is maybe, evil. Maybe. No, just they're to- trying to put photos of the grandkids on the fridge. <laughs> no, can't. They have to go to Blue Tack. Yep. Literally. They've got, they've had to get a magnet clip. I and love then that atta- so much. And then attach that to like the overhead cupboard next to the fridge. Well, there's a house hack for next week, guys. I Buy plan a fridge on burning that's that got- magnet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's just the little things. Like if you can house, like if you have a spare 150 mil, I've got mine like tucked under the sink cupboard. Perfect. Oh, is this your tea towel? Tea towel holder. Yep. Guess what? Comes from Ikea, guys. You're welcome. I'm going back to Ikea this weekend. It's amazing. Honestly, so simple. But I love that. Bin drawers, tea towel racks. I already mentioned our like pushback doors. We've got like an appliance nook area. So like recessed shelving. We're, oh, I can't believe I haven't even mentioned this. This is like the golden rule when it comes to kitchen cabinets. But our mechanisms are our hardware. So we want soft clothes. Yep. And we want the opportunity for push to open mechanisms. Correct. So I use push to open quite sparingly because they, unless you're buying like obviously Bloom or rattle off like Bloom, Hedich, Hafley, they're our kind of like go-to cabinetry fittings and fixtures brands. Bloom has like a lifetime warranty on their push to open and soft close. They're kind of like the bee's knees. By the way, fun little fact, IKEA use Bloom. Yep. So that's why I'm like a big fan of IKEA compared to Caboodle. So Again, just a little hint and tip. IKEA do use Bloom, but Bloom do lifetime warranties on our soft clothes and our push to open. However, I'm a big fan of like, again, I did mention an inspiration gram, but like streamline everything. I do love a handle moment. Do not get me wrong. But again, same principles with our bathrooms. I don't like to be hitting my hip while I'm yeah. like cooking. You don't want these really oversized, beautiful cabinetry handles. But I don't want these big oversized handles like hitting me in the hip while I'm trying to like cook or wash up. So I'm more inclined to go like a finger pull cabinetry moment. So all of our cabinetry doors and drawers are a finger pull with like a shark nose edge detail or like a custom formed profile. And then I leave our beautiful cabinetry or joinery handles to our integrated appliances, be that like our pantries, our appliance cupboards, even like entry to like a concealed butler's pantry or our integrated fridges or even our integrated um, like dish drawers or dishwashers. Sometimes people think that, you know, you can kind of get away with the finger pull. It's just it because it suctions and obviously like with a dishwasher, it needs to be like uber close, like ultra close. Yeah, it's going to be sealed. It's actually really stiff sometimes to do a finger pull opening on like a semi-integrated or an integrated dishwasher. You kind of just want to handle because it's so much easier. So just need to be mindful. Again, that's at bench height. So if it's in like a prep area on our bench, I like to really think about the location of that dishwasher if we're doing integrated, where we put that, because that probably will have a handle on it. Yep. Agreed. So something to think of. In terms of cabinetry inclusions. Can I ask you two yeah. questions? Yes. So we've got one question from Instagram, Yeah. which is, we probably should have raised it during the layouts, was... 
when you're you're working with a kitchen that's got a butler's pantry, mm-hmm. which and say it's a very large butler's pantry, how many of these kind of key appliances would you look to locate in there? Or which ones would you prefer to keep in your main kitchen? And which ones can go to that kind of back of house? This is actually such a good question because honestly, from project to project, this changes because it, again, clients, their needs, how they use the space. I'm, again, personally, I'm coming from a kitchen which I don't have a butler's pantry. So for me, when I entertain, I don't have a space that I can just like close everything off, put all the dirty dishes in the back. So, sorry, coming back to obviously the point you're asking, I kind of toss and turn a little bit or again, it's from project to project where you put the dishwasher. Do you put the dishwasher with the additional sink in the butler's pantry? Or do you keep it out in your main kitchen island? Or do you have two? Yeah. And do you do like a Fisher and Pike or like single dish drawer in the island and then you put your big kind of beast yeah, yeah. dishwasher in the butler's pantry? But it all comes down to who uses that space and how you use it. So for me, if I had a butler's pantry, personally, I'd probably put all the dirty dishes in the butler's pantry, hide it, close the door, and then I've got my showpiece kitchen. But then there's the people who love to entertain and they cook and that's part of their entertainment is to cook for people and have that on show. And when you're, you know, you've just had a a massive entertainment night, you don't want to necessarily be going into a closed off butler's pantry with no natural light, no ventilation. Listening to all the fun. Listening to all the fun and then spending 45 minutes washing up by yourself in a room. Like that's... You know, it's yeah, yeah. Or sometimes how configurations are. If you've got a very open plan living, dining, kitchen space, you don't necessarily want to be spending all the time in the butler's pantry. You want to be washing up or prepping or putting things in the dishwasher and using the kitchen while someone's in the living room or the dining room. Or, you know, you've got kids at the island bench and they're having their like early dinner. It's completely up to you. It's like you were saying almost when we were doing laundries with the, the client who had pretty much. A fun room set up in the laundry. <laughs> they had she had if, an exercise if, if, gear. There. If you're if doing the dishes is a very solo activity and you enjoy the time of doing that, go down that route with the design. Yeah, or you just like to conceal. Yeah, or but if you're if you want to feel connected all the time, go down that route, or just hedge your bets, do both because yep. that saves you in the future. Yep. The next question I've got for you, which is probably I think something we even talked about recently was. When you're designing a kitchen, is there ever a situation where you don't want drawers under bench? May except for a sink cupboard, obviously. Even then a lot of people opt for like drawer mm. under the sink cupboard these days. Um Is it the the main mm. reason that we love drawers? Yeah. Is it you can bring the items to you? Yes. So obviously The pros of drawers, as you just explained, is you can have like weight limits on runners. So you can have like 60, 70 kilo pot drawers that you can load up and you can have all that heavy gear come out to you and then you just simply bend down and pick it up. Yep. On a soft close, put it away. There's nothing worse than having all your big massive, like, you know, your bread maker and your mix master and your all your big ceramic dishes and bowls and platters and then you're going to crouch down on the ground and, you know, go 700 deep at the back of the cabinet potentially to get these items. Like, that's not ideal. However, there are some instances. So I would be very, very mindful of if we're talking clients who have beautiful crockery in China and they have expensive like Wedgwood crockery or dining set, I personally wouldn't be putting that in a drawer. Yeah. I'd be putting that in a cupboard on a very, very sturdy fixed shelf. And I would be like bending down and picking that up and bringing it out compared to like in a drawer that can rattle and kind of, you don't want anything moving (laughs) when it's really, really expensive. That's probably maybe my only instance where I would go more to a cupboard. Again, if I've got like an appliance cupboard, and I might have tucked away like a zip tap, I'd keep that as a cupboard for accessibility and to get obviously the zip guy who comes in or sorry, the Billy, I don't mean to reference only one, Billy or zip tap when they come in for maintenance and they're refilling like the CO2 canister or the filters, they need to be able to easily like open up the cupboard, get in there, get out. Yep. 
Agreed. You don't want to be kind of having to like, oh, we just got to pull out all the drawers <laughs> so yeah. you can get to that. I think that's kind of the I two instances yeah. where I would opt for cupboards more than- I love that. Yeah. I, I think that's it's almost like when we were talking about our walk-in robes in terms of what's the balance between drawers and shelves and hanging. Yeah. It's completely personal, but if you've got the opportunity, I think drawers are a large majority of the time. They're the, the way to go. Something a little hack that some people don't realize as well, or they think like big is best. I'm actually, I'm on the fence with, oh no, no, I'm pretty one-sided. I have a pretty strong opinion on those things. (laughs) I'm absolutely shocked. (laughs) But when it comes to draw widths, everyone always puts in like, oh, big 900 draw. That's amazing. There's actually nothing worse than trying to like stand in front of like, say you've just got a 600 cooktop or even a 900 cooktop. And you've put this huge 900 drawer in the center of it or in front of it with all your utensils. Yeah. I think there's nothing worse than having to like step back, open this huge size drawer to then push it back into then use the cooktop. I'd rather stand at the cooktop and to the left or the right of me, then pull out a smaller drawer that I don't have to move or, and the same thing if you're prepping in an island and you have these huge, and I don't mean to like bash, but I've been in a lot of kitchens where they put in like a big 900 or even like even 750 is pushing it, a big cutlery drawer, but it's on the main island. So it's like, hey guys, sorry, everyone's prepping. Can everyone move so I can pull out this cutlery drawer and then close it again? Like if you've just got smaller, more manageable, manageable proportioned storage, I'd rather more cupboards and more drawers than oversized. Okay. Something to keep in mind when you're you're doing your planning. Yeah. When we're talking about power and lighting in a kitchen Mm -hmm. i think we can almost oh we just found our fourth episode i think that's it (laughs) and we mentioned it in our inspiration gram the name of the game here is task lighting and then the same as we've been saying for our storage all the way it's finding meaningful places to provide power Mm -hmm. and whether you're using your zeta gpos to have it flush with the stone or whether you're You've got a, an appliance covered with a couple of PowerPoints in there. That That's all stuff we'll cover in a future episode because I think that's, it won't be, it shouldn't be long. I hope it isn't that long, but it's an important one probably to have on its own. So that way, if you've already got a kitchen design that you, you're really in love with and you don't want to listen to any of the garbage that we're about to sprout, even if you just want to double check the power and lighting, yeah, that's just like its own little thing that you can refer to. 100%. So, Even like, I know this sounds so silly to think about it, but I think we talked about budgets, like in our building block episode and making allowance for things that you might not necessarily put in straight away. But if you've got the power or you've yeah, allowed yep. for it, these things can come at a later date. So for instance, like your zip taps, that needs power under the sink. So put a PowerPoint in your sink cupboard at the back. Yeah, if don't have- just don't just let sorry, don't just let them put the the single GPO for your dishwasher. Do it as a double. Again, people don't do this as well, but with your dishwashers, put your PowerPoint in the back of the sink cupboard yes. and then feed that dishwasher power through the side gable and like get that in that way. Do a double or even two doubles. Yeah, because, because you might put your insincorator in. Insincorator, zip ta- zip or billy tap, your dishwasher or even you could have a dishwasher on one side and a dish drawer on the other. Yep, hundred percent. Or again, a little bougie. You can have your little um, handheld, like your duster buster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> underneath charging in your sink cupboard. Again, all these little things. Power, amazing. We'll cover that in the future in one of the other episodes we'll do about kitchens. But just know it's there. Have a look at our inspiration grants for some kind of general overview of it. And even refer back to our previous episodes on on suites and bathrooms and laundries, and you'll get the general vibe of what we're talking about. The other episode that's going to take an enormous amount of time, just so, and it's not actually even going to be that in depth, but it's just there's so many different choices, and we just want to make sure that you're aware in the, control yeah. of what you're you're kind of maybe locking yourself into or the path you want to go down. Is we're now going to shift over just a, a brief rundown of finishes and materials. We know this episode's getting long, but we'll give you a rundown of this. We'll talk a little bit of budget kind of stuff, and then we'll um we'll wrap this one up and put a bow on it. So, Michaela, yes. When we're talking kitchens, mm-hmm. this is where I guess 
finishers can really be the hero because it is the heart of the home. It's your focal point. It's a destination space. Mm -hmm. Some of these stones that we see online in these kitchens, they're beautiful and they complement the palette of the other beautiful finishes with our cabinetry and our handles and our flooring. Explain it like I'm a five-year-old. Okay. Run me through finishes. We'll start with our kind of our stone. Yep. And or then our bench tops. Yeah, because there's more options than just stone. You're right. There's so So we'll much. start with that and then we'll just go bit by bit. And even if you just want to, yeah, one or two sentences on these. Yep. And, and again, we'll, there's we'll gonna be through. there's gonna be a whole episode on just yeah. finishes. Yeah. And then we'll talk about budgets of these as well, warranties and again, do's and don'ts. Yeah, we did chat a lot about in our building block materials that kitchens are expensive. So when it comes to your material choice, it has to last. These yeah. have to be materials so well researched and so well chosen because it's so expensive to redo. So get it right, do it once. Not yep. like me, who regrets the color choice because honestly, it's too late. It's done. So I think if you were to put your fo- your a photo of your kitchen up on Instagram, absolutely, you, not. people would be very complimentary of it. I think it's it's probably more. Once it's done and finished, you're looking at it. And I, I I think pretty much all designers have this trait is you look at it and you're like, but what's next? Yeah. It's like your inspiration, Graham, is they did the, tour, the first Turek house how and then I, they went and refined that re- and lifted it. that. And not saying that it's any nicer than the other one, but you can see, especially with some of the ideas, they've evolved. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what happens with a lot of these these spaces is you get it done and then you're like, what's next? So I think that's almost why it's ideal to be a, um, a developer or someone who builds homes to flip is you're constantly getting to test these ideas out. Yeah. But then Lord help you when you get to doing your <laughs> own home or you do something, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to live in this. I'm going to sell it. And I always feel designers and architects, we're kind of, we're our harshest critics. Oh, yeah. We, Even the town planners are bloody harsh <laughs> critics. Jessie. I wonder what rating we're going to get on this. No, I feel like- We're always out to improve on everything and every project, every experience is a learning curve. Like that's, we want to get better. We want to learn from it. So when it comes to our own houses and we're so used to, yes, obviously we design on a budget or in a budget in mind, but when it's your own money, it's a whole different, yeah, whole different game. And so that's, I guess that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast was so that we can kind of share, at least from a professional sense and even our personal trials and tribulations, we can kind of share that knowledge with you. So you don't have to be working in the design field for as long as we have. I haven't been working in the design field that long, I'll just be honest with you. But you can kind of have a leg up compared to people who don't, who won't listen to this podcast or don't have someone who is in a design-related field. Yeah, 100%. I think- Again, if you're looking at any aspect of your life, people will do research on that topic. So what do they say? How like buying or building a house is one of the most stressful. Oh, it's one of the three most stressful. I think it's that it's getting married and having kids or something. Yeah. Like organizing so, a wedding, having a child, building a house. Yeah. So like, why wouldn't you do your research on that? Why Starting wouldn't you? Starting a podcast is for. Starting a podcast. What are you talking about? This is all fun and games. Um, for you. <laughs> I hope he edits that out. All right, finishes and materials. Yep. We digressed. Let's again. roll. Let's roll. Right. Stone, I'm a child. Explain it to me. Okay. so oh, we Sorry, ha- bench tops. Explain it to me. Bench I'm a child. Tops. So we have, and again, I'm going to go into this. So this is going to be very, very rapid fire. We have reconstituted stone. We have natural stone. We have concrete. We have plaster. We have polished concrete. We have raw concrete as well, burnished concrete. We have- Timber. Timber. We have plywood. We have MDF. We have laminate. We yeah, have many different types. We have tiled bench tops, lime plaster. We have glass. Glass bench tops. You do a glass bench top. Please don't do a glass. Actually, you know bench what? Top. I think that's what I saw. I think someone tiled and then put like a glass like topping Awful. on it. Awful. Awful. You could do stainless steel. Stain. I know. I didn't want to mention it. Commercial kitchen. Yuck. Stainless steel or um, Corian solid surface. I beg your pardon? Solid surface. What was the one? Corian? Corian is the brand. Oh, okay. Sorry. So like Caesar <laughs> stone, Corian, solid surface. Yep. There's multiple out there. Porcelain bench tops. So when we say tile, large format porcelain, it's a thing. Huge. I think that's good to start. Surely. I think so. Surely. Surely. 
flooring options. Okay, this is the bee's knees. So we've done porcelain, ceramic, tiles. We've got timber. We have vinyl. We have laminate. We have concrete. We have... I nearly said carpet. Carpet. That's a flooring. In a kitchen. No, absolutely not. I think that's it. Brick. Ply, ply, brick, pavers. Cabinetry. We've talked about cabinetry. Two-pack timber. Veneer. Yeah, it's almost the same like, as your um your bench tops. Well, what we were talking about before. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All those same materials. Like you can do a plaster finish on a ca- like you can do a stone finish on a cabinetry substrate. Like there's so many. Yeah. Um, I think we do. I'm just reading through the show notes. I think we even just touched on those next two. In terms of general wall finish in a kitchen, that's not needing to be a splashback or cabinetry. Yep. So obviously plasterboard, just our general walls or paint finish. Plasterboard could be- We've got VJ paneling. We've got even like exposed concrete. We have plaster. We have Tadalact. We have- Oh my goodness. What was that? Uh, What's her name? Is that a Madeline Blanchfield one where it's like, you know, the concrete comes up to like- Oh, the high skirting. Oh, oh my Lord. Oh. Yeah, that's really nice. And yeah. then the kind of- All formed The concrete. timber sits on top of that. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Stunning. Beautiful. We haven't- Stop. That's going to be one of my inspiration cramps. No, I'm going to get to it first. No, you're not. Madeline <laughs> Blanchfield's mine. Cut Lock it, it in. Out. Cut it out. Even like wallpaper, vinyl wallpaper. Seagrass. Seagrass wallpaper, vinyl wallpaper. Even just like- glass as like a oh, material. Like a mirror. I didn't mention it for a reason because in our splashbacks, yes, everyone does like the mirrored splashback. I'm not here for it. You know, like, oh, no. Cleanliness. Time and a place. Maintenance. Time and a place for me. Yeah. By time and a place, I mean, there are some times and places that it works. So yeah, just projects that I'm not Mikhail's working on. <laughs> Mikhail's a hard no, but I'm much more open-minded and a man of the people. So yeah. And if the people, how many uh, kitchen joinery drawings have you done up? I did one for the office and I got it wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong there. Yep. Microwave didn't fit. Fridge only just fits. Okay. I think we'll go into materials in a separate episode. Yes. Because I feel like in terms of just aesthetics, we can go on and on about different types and choices and colors and materials. But I really want to get into the nitty gritty of why we choose particular materials for fire retardancy, for fit for purpose, for costings, but yeah. also for longevity and our warranties. Agreed. And what wears well or what doesn't age well, like stainless steel, it's going to scratch our stone, it's going to pit. Is, are we going to get burn marks? How easy is that to clean? Like all of these materials need to be selected knowing what we're getting into. I agree. I definitely agree. Before we we wrap this up, we did want to just briefly, and we have touched on it very quickly in terms of the kitchens are an expensive space. Potentially with appliances and everything included, will be the single most expensive spot in your house or the single most expensive room in your house. So when you're budgeting for it, take that into account. And even if it's a situation, as Michaela was saying, where you have existing appliances that you're going to bring in to try and save a little bit of money at the start, still master plan and think through what you would eventually like to be there because you may be able to save yourself a fair bit of grief down the road. Even say, this is a very extreme example, but say you start off and you're like, I'm not going to put a gas cooktop in now. I'm going to go induction. And then later down the line, you decide you want to change over to in, you want to change over to gas from induction. The the cost to have the gas run during the build or when everything's getting sorted out is going to be a fraction compared to having to try and retrofit that in and chase it into a slab and bring it up through the damp proof membrane if you're on a, a concrete slab. It's just a little bit of forethought there. Same thing, even if your fridge doesn't have water capabilities at the moment, in the future it might. Or even for resale purposes the person who moves in might have a fridge with a water point correct so do it once do it right Mm -hmm. but or make allowance for make allowance and we will go into kind of some sizing for everything we'll give you i guess an overview of sizing that works generally well for most things if you are going to be a, a bit of a niche use case in terms of you've got a very particular fridge you're bringing in like it's a very wide sub zero fridge cater to that but we're going to try and hit maybe the the majority here. Yeah. We will provide options both a kind of up-specking and then kind of on the the lower end. Not saying that that's bad, but we'll give you a range. We'll we'll kind of hit as many markets as we can with that because they don't need to be they don't need to break the bank of the project, but 
it is one of the spaces where if you invest into it, it probably does. I mean, it, I, I made a joke last week that also I was going to say mudrooms sell homes, but kitchens really do probably make an impression on someone coming in and creating a connection if they're Absolutely. looking to buy. If they can kind of seamlessly blend into this world that you're creating for them where there is a dishwasher in both the butler's pantry and next to the sink and you can kind of sell them the story that they're going to be the greatest entertainer known to man. I did make the point during our bathroom week that I love, love, loved designing bathrooms because unlike the kitchen, it's actually a bit of the underdog. It's the space that you use every single day without a doubt. Yep. But the kitchen is the space that every single person sees. Without a doubt. So when someone comes over or they pop over for like five minutes, or if you're doing an open home and you're trying to sell a house, the kitchen. The kitchen is the place where you need to make the impression. The the kitchen, I guess, from an architectural point of view, the kitchen's almost like the front facade of a house. When we're doing projects, I guess, from an architectural point of view, a majority of the budget goes into that front facade, that first impression, and then the rest of it tends to be fairly stripped back. And that, that's fine. That's because that gives, I guess, from a developer's point of view, the best return on it. Or even from uh, someone doing a project home, that's where the most interest is. It's that street appeal. So treat the kitchen the same way. It's the street appeal of the interiors. Yeah, that's 100%. it. Well, Michaela, I think that's going to do us. Let's, um, let's listen to some music and then we'll wrap this one up. Absolutely. everybody that brings us to the end of another episode if you've got any questions about what we discussed reach out to us on either our instagram at grab the trace or via our emails at grab the trace at gmail.com we're also now on facebook tiktok and youtube so come and join us there as well if we can ask that you subscribe follow and share the podcast and leave a rating or review on apple podcasts that would be an enormous help to us in growing the show our opening and closing music was created by robert helberg Michaela, thank you very much for your time this week. Thanks, Lachlan. Really appreciate it. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all next time. See you next time.